Welcome back to the Miss the Pod. Before I get to the episode, I just wanted to share a bit with you about Lemis the brand. I created Lemis for personal reasons as I'm a huge candle lover and I started worrying about what I was inhaling with some of the more luxe brands and even some of the just like more, you know, cute little um like artisanal brands. You just never know what's in something until you start doing your research. And so I did, and I started playing around with essential oils and learning more about aromatherapy, and thus began the journey into creating a clean, luxe, sustainable home fragrance brand called La Uh, We launched with four scents, and there are so many more to come. I created this podcast as a way to support the brand, but also to provide you with something beautiful, uplifting, and cozy to listen to while you have your candle lit. So to learn more about the brand, you can head over to www.lamis.com, L-A-M-I-S-C.com. You can also check us out on the Instagram handle, which is um, at La Miss Studio, so L-A-M-I-S-C Studio, and there's so much more to come, but in the meantime, please enjoy the episode. Welcome to La Miss Pod, a podcast featuring creatives, entrepreneurs, and interesting folks doing interesting things. These are real conversations covering topics such as career journey, life challenges and triumphs, romance, self-care, and all the miscellaneous things. Hi, and welcome back to La Miss the Pod. I'm your host, Dana, and today we have Nyla Doe Simon. She's a writer and editor based in Delray Beach, Florida. As a writer, she has written for the New York Times, Marie Claire Magazine, and Condé Nast Traveler. She is also the editor-in-chief of Venice Magazine, a luxury lifestyle magazine based out of Fort Lauderdale. Neela talks in detail about the road to getting to this point in her career and what her role as an editor-in-chief truly entails. We also discuss the challenges of creating the summer issue through the beginning stages of the pandemic and the future of the content for the publication. We discussed her strategies regarding inclusivity for the journalistic and creative side of the publication, with a focus on including more people of color on the creative production side as well as the writing portion. Nyla is a mother of two small children, and we discuss the challenges and triumphs of motherhood, especially working through the pandemic, as well as how she stays sane and focused through her daily rituals. It's an awesome episode. You'll enjoy every minute. It's very insightful. And here's the episode. Hi. Hey, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you doing? Good, good. It's good. We recognize, I recognize that we're in a really good position compared to others. But you have, your husband works in an ER? Yeah, so he's, he's a general surgeon and a trauma surgeon. So like, yes, he does work in the ER, but like, um, for like trauma related cases, you know, and the, the trauma surgeons, they take care of the ICU, which the worst COVID patients go to. 
So how have you been adjusting to that? Is he working way more now than before? He's always worked a lot. You know, it's always been significant amount of hours in, in the week, you know? So yeah, he, I guess he's working a bit more, but it's just, it's just a okay. thing. <laughs> okay. So what have you been up to mostly? Like just, I know you have two little kids, so like, how have you been juggling work and what have you been doing to sort of stay sane? A lot of stuff. Like, so we live here in Florida. We live in a city called Delray Beach, which is on the East Coast of Florida in the okay. South, like maybe like an hour North of Miami. So keeping that environment in mind, like, you know, it's summertime, you know, I mean, it's hot, but it's a nice time for us to be outdoors, you know, in that sense, yeah. like it's, it's hot, it's legitimately hot. So just, just like with anything, just taking breaks outside is like a big deal. And then like, you know, we're really fortunate too. We, we, the beach is really close to us. Like the, the city opened up the beach the other day or the other week. You know, so we just really do look at like the fortunate side of, you know, how our cards were dealt. We do look at how fortunate we are. Yeah. I mean, that's the best way to look at it for sure. Okay. So like, let's talk about your career. Let's talk about fun things. Sure. So you work in publishing, you're an editor. And did you always want to work in publishing? What was your career journey to get to this point? Okay. No, I didn't know I wanted to work in publishing until later on in my young adulthood, I guess. I had always been a reader. Every day I would read the newspaper. Like, I just don't know why. Like, it was just so, so much fun for me. It's like, I was literally flipping through the paper newspaper, yeah, um, reading things, <laughs> right? And it, it was like really interesting to me too. And, and, and anyway, so I just really understood that, you know, I really liked the power of the fourth estate. I really liked the ability for a news outlet to inform, educate, inspire, give aspirations to their readers. I really liked the impact that, the fourth state had on me as a reader, you know, slowly on, I was just like, oh, wow. You know, if the news organization can do that for me, why can't I be on the other side and do that for others and just have that, you know, that really, really rewarding moment. So that's slowly when I started thinking about going into publishing. So that's, that's kind of where it happened. And, you know, I just really was fortunate throughout my career to just land jobs and land positions that, you know, I really like that, you know, they kind of jived with the type of subjects that I really enjoyed. So I got, I got really lucky with that. Where are you originally from? North Florida. And so what did you study in university? Journalism. So I went to a school called the University of Florida, which is in central Florida. Uh And I didn't know this going into it, but, you know, I'm really, really fortunate that the University of Florida had an incredible journalism program. You know, it's one of the top in the nation. And so I just got really lucky there too that, you know, I had professors who understood what it was like to put together a magazine, put together a newspaper and put together, you know, just really interesting content for people. So yeah, so so that was a great segue into my career. Did you intern while you were in school or? Yeah, I interned at a couple of places. Early on, I interned at the city newspaper. It was called the Gainesville Sun. So I interned there in the features desk. You know, I did feature stories. I kind of fell into that, you know, genre, I guess, feature Uh writing, feature reporting, feature, you know, discussions. And then later on, I interned at this other news publication. It was a little bit different. It was more like a news conglomerate called Naylor, which is also in Central Florida. And so what was your first paid job, like not being an intern? I know, right? So my first paid job right away, just out of school, by the way, I was the editor-in-chief of this collegiate alumni magazine in Miami. It was for this 
medical university called the American University of the Caribbean, which is oh, uh, this medical school. Yeah, super interesting. And, okay. you know, I was like the first editor there, uh, you know, way beyond my abilities, you know, and it was, I mean, you know, I deal with business stuff. Like I did, you know, being the editor, it's just not just telling stories, but, you know, it's business too. And it was yeah, just way beyond stuff. my capacity. But you must have learned so much. I did. I really did learn. I mean, it was more so, so more, it was more so working with people and two, you know, just standing up for what you believe in. You know, I was at odds a bit with the owner of the organization, who, you know, who's a fantastic person. But at one particular point, you know, we just didn't see eye to eye on, on how to handle a certain situation. And, you know, mm-hmm. I just had to stand up for myself, you know, and that was um, something that I learned early on to do. So, okay. So from there, where? Then I went to the city called Fort Lauderdale, which is about 30, yeah, 45 minutes. So I, I moved, I moved to work to become the associate editor of a company that was previously called Goldstream Media Group. Okay. And that was um that was a publication that had at that time six lifestyle magazines and four shelter magazines. So I went on to be the um associate editor there, which um, you know, kind of fit my groove a little bit better than a medical alumni magazine. Um, I was there for almost eight years. That's amazing. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And so so then you went to this publishing Venice. company? Yes, Venice. the magazine. There you go. Where I'm at right now, which is it's called the magazine's called Venice and it's published by White House Media Group, you know, which the headquarters is in Miami. So this specific magazine is lifestyle, but like very heavy yes. focus on fashion too. It's definitely more of a niche mm-hmm. specific publication. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what's your role in the creation and production of each issue? Mm-hmm. So as the editor-in-chief of the magazine, you know, I definitely like have a hand to like, you know, on everything, not just editorial, but, you know, just the steering the direction of the brand and the magazine itself. For example, we just finished the summer issue, you know, from cover to cover, you know, I work with like our editorial team to just really push for the most relevant, engaging content we can and drive how we tell it in a really, really compelling, heartfelt way. So mm-hmm. That's, you know, first on my mind. And then, you know, obviously like branding the magazine too, it's really huge for us. Um, mm-hmm. Just really figuring out, you know, on the business end of things, how we can just provide some comfort during these COVID times and how we can reach out to more people and individuals to really give them, you know, this outlet, this opportunity to decompress while still, again, going back to the, what I said earlier, it's while still being inspired, educated and informed. Mm-hmm. It's definitely more of a luxury, I feel, based sure. magazine. It's really executed very well, I have to say. I want to know during these times, like, how have you managed to put the publication together? Did you have a lot of Zoom meetings? Like, what about the photo shoots? Like, how was this executed? I know, right? I mean, again, same thing that everyone else is facing with, you know, for the longest time. We had no idea what this summer issue was going to look like. We literally yeah. had no idea. You know, mm-hmm. we, we, okay, at the core of everything, we just really had to tap into who we are and why our readers come, go to us. Like, we, mm-hmm. we just had to really tap into that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we just, we really realized that, you know, we, again, we were like this source, this outlet, this respite that's in paper form. That was like an opportunity for them to just disconnect from what they're facing, what the world is facing. So, at our 
first, you know, Zoom meeting. That's just really what we were trying to figure out. Were the shoots like already completed all like before this happened? Or... No. Okay. So... so how, so what did you guys do about that? So everyone, first off, were masked, you know, like during the shoots. That, that was the one thing that we required. There was one particular photographer who, for whatever reason, refused to wear a mask. And so the stylist that we wanted to style the shoot refused to work with her. So that was that, you know? It was all, all done locally too? No. The, okay, so our, we, we decided to do two covers for the summer okay. issue. Cover shoot was photographed in New York. Okay. The other cover shoot was photographed here in Fort Lauderdale. Okay. So we work with two different teams, at least with the cover shoots. So yeah. there were so many problems. I mean, I, you know, I, I don't need to tell you. <laughs> there yeah, was I so, you know, imagine like logistically what, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> we had problems with fashion houses, you know, they, they weren't getting the clothes. Absolutely. I mean, that was a big deal. You know, we had to work our relations. We had to figure out how to get over that hump. That was a nightmare. Just so you know where we went, our deadline to, to, to send our files was on a Tuesday. We didn't send our cover until Thursday. Like we held up the presses because the shoot wasn't completed until Wednesday. So, oh my God. <laughs> it was like such that time, you know, such stressful yeah. times. But, um, you know, we did a really great shoot in Fort Lauderdale, like a really great one. It just didn't generate a cover, which is fine. We didn't think this was going to be our cover. But the more and more we thought about it, we're like, oh my gosh, this individual, this subject could totally be our cover. So we yeah. went and reshot her, you know, with a completely enlarged, you know, with a team that was, you know, new going in that we had to get a cover shoot. Was so, it the same team that shot the original story? We had, no, that team wasn't available. It was just so much okay. going on. So much. But happening. you know what? I, I know like in, in Florida, like there are some really top talent that are based there too. So yes. Yes. I would imagine that it would be like a non-issue to get the kind of talent that you want. It's a little bit of a nightmare to have to like reshoot it, but a little bit, and, especially yeah. a day after deadline. <laughs> but, um, and then but, in New York, we had like, you know, this great shoot all set up. You know, we had to interview the, the, the model who, was, who happened to be like a phenomenal activist too. And at the last second, you know, we got word from her agency that she had to pull out, you know, she had things, things just came up, you know, like she just really wasn't able to make it. So we had to go find a model who had the same core beliefs that we did to make this work out. So anyway, so that was that. That's, but at least you guys got it. I'm really impressed. Right. I, right? I also think it's an interesting time because a lot of, even for like fashion houses and in terms of their advertising, like they've had to be so creative in terms of how they shoot and in terms of the content, I think because it's such a strange time, there's also room to sort of re re-examine how things have been done and try new ways mm. of doing it. If it's shooting through Zoom apps, like right. you know, not even being on set, like I find that really incredible. And I, I want to understand more of the logistics of that. So many publications have done things that are a little bit more abstract in their publishing, like their mm -hmm. stories. So are you guys going to do anything of that nature? Do you think, or are you going to try to just produce like amazing issues right. that you're sort of used to publishing? That's a good question. I mean, so with this recent issue that we just put through, we tend to do a lot of original photo shoots, for example, you know, that, that just got sliced out just, you know, the safety of everything, you know, we, mm -hmm. we were very selective on how many shoots we could do. 
we we didn't want to put anybody in danger, like all that stuff, you know, you know, we we take a lot of responsibility for, you know, the crew and everything, you know, and, and the talent too. So what we decided to do with this summer issue is really work with a lot of user generated content. Mm-hmm. So we reached out to a lot of our readers, our friends, our, you know, those who we were pretty comfortable with their fluidity with the camera. You know, we reached out to them to document their COVID life, you know, document how, cool. how things are going on. Yeah. You know, if things kind of trend the way they are these days, you know, that's something that we could consider for the next issue. Really working with, you know, user generated photography, at least. And I know at least with me with, you know, interviews and, you know, of our writers, I want to say a hundred percent. Actually, there was one that wasn't, but minus this one, all of our interviews were done phone, FaceTime, or Zoom. I mean, this is what has I mean, to be done I mean, I think now. it's the smartest way to do it. And I feel like it's one of the luxuries of that job, you know, right. to be able to right. do that. So why not? Why? Why Why jeopardize the, <laughs> like potential health if not, you know? Right. You don't have it's to. A, I totally agree with you. Yeah, no, I totally agree with everything you're saying, you know, and I, I just, I, I have to really give credit to all of our writers because just not having that in-person interaction, you know, naturally one loses things, you know, just, it's just mm-hmm. natural that you just lose a little bit of touch, a, a little bit of, of connection to your subject, which, you know, could influence, impact the actual article. But I have to give our writers a lot of credit because they managed to get past that barrier, you know, really connect with the subject through a screen to really just unearth really deep conversations with them. And so I just really, you know, have to credit our writers for digging deep and eliminating that physical barrier that was set, you know, that they had to move past. So, you know, they did a really good job. I need to see this issue. (laughs) I'm I'm so so excited for you too. Yeah. So excited. Okay. So what do you think some of the biggest contributing factors are in terms of your success in publishing? Like, what is it about you that's just gone on you so far and, you know, that you've continued to really be able to make your mark in publishing and also specifically with this Venice magazine, that specific publication? Sure. Well, I'll be honest with you. You know, I made a lot of mistakes. Currently, it's still make a lot of mistakes, but it's these mistakes that really, really drive me. You know, I, I, I still remember early in my career, you know, at 22 years old, like, you know, I forgot to put like this comma in and I'd completely changed the sentence completely and the intent <laughs> and the meaning. And like that drives me, you know, like that yeah. drives me. It's so like, I may have had like a couple of, you know, positive achievements in my career, but I don't remember them compared to them, all the mistakes I've made. Same. I know. I yeah. Everyone though, you kind of focus a little bit on the negative when you're trying to push yourself, but, but like, can you speak to some of those mistakes that you feel like have pushed you? Sure. In recent memory, I mean, it's, it's a lot of like editing mistakes, you know, it's something that's so juvenile that like it should never have been done to begin with, but it ha- did happen. One article, we quoted this one gentleman a couple times, but we, we spelled his name wrong, I think two or three different times, you know, okay. like he had a difficult name. I mean, like in our defense, <laughs> his name was rather difficult. <laughs> But that's no excuse. I mean, there's no excuse for that. That's a person's name. That's a person's identity. That's who that person is, you know? Yeah. So that's that. So from now on, you know, we, I can't tell you how many times we check, you know, proper names. That's such like a big deal to me. Um, but, you know, like other mistakes too, I'm trying to think. I mean, there's been so many. <laughs> what about, like, what about, but I feel like you have a way with people that's really just 
so natural, you know, and you're very approachable and you care so much. And I think that's must be a contributing factor, you know, and just even the way you talk about your writers and like, how do you manage people and, and what is your approach to that? Sure. Well, well, thank you. First off, thank you. I mean, at some point when, you know, I had gotten some authority in my career, you know, like somebody decided to give me some authority, you know, I unfortunately took it the wrong way. You know, I, I, I thought I could be like Anna Wintory-esque, you know, I thought I could like push my way around things and, and be curt and whatever. And just like, you know, I, I thought that's just how people were, you know, I thought, mm-hmm. and that wasn't right for many reasons. That wasn't right for me, for the situations, you know, all of this stuff. It's just so much better to be a nice person. You know, yeah. I, it's just like in life, but, you know, especially in publishing, because there are so many, sadly, there are so many folks who are a little bit more curt, a little bit more callous, you know, in the delivery, mm-hmm. you know, there are a lot of those out there. And for one to just genuinely be nice, appreciative, all the good attributes that you want a person that you want your children to be, that stands out. And I think that's what matters. You know, I think and I think that's where I had to learn, you know, I had to learn and I had to, fortunately, you know, I, I took a lot of wrong turns early on. I think that, you know, I, I tried to learn from that. Right. And so I have a question, maybe this is a good segue to talk about like the Black mm-hmm. Lives Matter movement sure, and sure. how it's going to influence like the way you work as an editor in chief and what factors you might consider now more so than before. Yeah, that's a great question. So you know, I'm a person of color, you know, my parents were immigrants from Vietnam, you know, I've always been, personally speaking, sensitive to cultural issues, you know, that's just on a personal level. And throughout my career, specifically at Venice, at the magazine I'm working at right now, I have always wanted to, you know, amplify the voices of people of color. That's just a thing, you know, but in the past, if things didn't work out for whatever reason, as if this individual wasn't available to be interviewed prior to deadline, or if we couldn't find an individual color in this industry to talk about in time for deadline, you know, we would just be like, okay, well, you know, we'll try next time. You know, we would just like, okay, fine. You know, now though, I, you know, I just won't settle for that. You know, now, like, it's so important not to just say, okay, I'll do it next time. First off, number one, you don't know if there's a next time, but number two, it's important to get that person in now. It's important to always get that person in now. So I think I'm going to be a little bit more cognizant of demanding and not settling for not featuring more black lives. You know, I I think that's very something that's foremost in my mind. But in addition to that too, you know, it's, it's really important for me too, to really work with writers, photographers, illustrators, contributors, stylists, who are people of color, who are black, mm-hmm. who are various individuals of color, because they have a different narrative than mm-hmm. I do, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. They have a different way of telling a story, of capturing an image of all these, you know, moments in their lives, you know, have culminated to now where they can illustrate a piece in their way, you know? So it's really important for me to demand that we feature more individuals of color. I think that's wonderful to hear. And also, are you going to directly discuss it in the publication? Are there going to be articles about it? Because it's not that kind of publication. So right, I'm just wondering if you would do that because it is such an important movement right now. 
yes and no. So in the issue that just went to press, the summer issue, I write about it in my editor's letter. Yeah, I write like I write a bit about it, about you know the importance of it, uh, importance of featuring people of color, importance of featuring black voices, and the importance of all of that. I write a bit about it, but I think that platform, you know, is how we will address it, and then segue into the magazine, which happens. To, oh, we happen, you know, we're featuring these great people of color, whether it's as the subjects of the article, the writers, the photographers, the illustrators, the stylists. Just being more you know, mindful. Of it all. I think so. I yeah. think so. Okay. Well, that was a wonderful little chat. <laughs> um, I want to know about your two little kids and how you managed to do so much and also manage having little children. Like what some of the challenges would be in that kind of scenario. Sometimes I look back, I'm like, what have I done today? You know, <laughs> like, I'm like, did I do anything today? So so I have a one-year-old and a three-year-old. I have a one-year-old son and a three-year-old daughter. And, oh, my God, it's just n- nothing can prepare you for parenthood. Like, you know, people told me that, like, you know, way ahead of time before I was a parent. But, oh, yeah. my God, they are so right. <laughs> like, yeah. um, they're just, you know, a wild bunch right now, which is, you know, awesome and normal. And, you know, they're just, you know, you just want them to be kids, right? You, you just really want That's them better. to be kids. But at the same time, you know, <laughs> being kids doesn't always work out in the office, you know, or like we yeah. have to get things done. So, I mean, you know, there's so many challenges. I mean, I, I, things I like you don't even think about, like, you know, I had to get something done for work today. I had like a, a Zoom meeting with, mm-hmm. the, with the team. I, I, I can hear my son and daughter screaming for me, you know, like they <laughs> like behind the door. I mean, Hard. obviously, right? Like, I love yeah, I the connection that like... Ugh, I love the connection we have with each other. I love it. I really do. But, you know, nothing can prepare you. People talk about all the good, which is, there's so much good. There's so much good. But, you know, it's so painful to hear them, you know, behind the door, you know, screaming and wanting you. But unfortunately, you just, you just don't have the ability to, to chat with them at the moment, you know, to hang out with them at the moment. You feel guilty that, you know, you don't dedicate enough to them, that you feel guilty you don't dedicate enough to your career, like all this stuff, you know. Like, yeah, mom, go. I've heard about right? it. Right? I just have yeah. dog guilt because I just have a pup. I don't have like. <laughs> oh, do you? What um, what what do you have? I have a Morky. She's definitely a spicy Quebecois. She definitely has some sass <laughs> in her, but um, <laughs> but she's super cute and like getting a dog was life changing. It's it's definitely like make me think about motherhood more and. Like if it's realistic for me, I think it requires so much patience. I really commend anyone who's a parent. Wait, but how do you, so how do you maintain like a sense of peace with everything going on? Do you have daily rituals that you do or? Sort of. So I've worked like somewhat of a routine recently, I should say. We have this Peloton bike. So I try my best to get on there. Yeah. It's just good for aggression. <laughs> like the yeah. other day, I was like, I'm just getting on it because I'm mad, you know. <laughs> so it's good. So we have that. So that's I've I've worked that into my daily routine. Whether you know try to do it during the daytime or you know right before I go to bed, and then this is just some you know routine that I've I think everybody has, especially those in the media. You know, I've just really worked on just reading the news like more and more. Reading not just news locally, not just news states wise. But I'm reading like, you know, news from other countries. We are, quote unquote, all alone together, you know, mm-hmm. so it's great seeing how other countries, other communities document their time right now. 
it's definitely, I think, interesting that you're reading publications from other countries. Because, yeah. like, I don't think anyone really knows what the truth is anymore when there's just so much unknown about it that it's, mm -hmm. I think it's advantageous to read various publications. Obviously, you get a different mm -hmm. point of view, but I just think it's really smart. Yeah, it, it's interesting to see how everyone's dealing with things, um, you know, from across the world. It's really interesting. Because everyone is dealing with it very differently. Oh, can't. There's a lot of empathy going around right now. That's all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, okay. So what about, because you said that you're a big reader. So have you had mm -hmm. the chance to read any amazing books now? Are there any specific movies or TV shows that you've been binge watching? Have you been focusing on any yeah. new hobbies? Like what have you been up to that's fun and new? On the reading front, like so I've been picking up my reading a little bit more than I had been. I just finished a book called Disappearing Earth by Julia Phillips. She's a debut novelist. The, the book is phenomenal. It takes place in Far East Russia. And it's, you know, again, just like a beautiful look at another world altogether. Lovely novel. I'm about to read the book Trick Mirror by Gia Tolentino. Yeah. She's considered right. Yeah. She's yeah, yeah. she's considered this generation's Joan Didion. Yeah. I mean, I've read a lot of her. She's like a staff writer for the New York. You know, I've read a lot of her pieces there and it's phenomenal. So, yes, mm -hmm. I've been reading a lot early on in the pandemic. You know, I think just like everybody else doing a lot of baking, like a ridiculous amount of baking. Um, what have you baked? Basic stuff like, you know, chocolate chip cookies, you know, mostly stuff I knew with my kid. Yeah. Um, cookies, banana nut bread, just things that other people have done. Um, Just like apple tart, you know, just something that simple enough to to make with children yeah um but okay so i want to just know what are some of the what are you like most looking forward to in terms of like the near future and you know on the selfish front i really look forward to the day that i get to see my parents again and have my kids see their grandparents that would be a lot of fun and then on the bigger scope you know i just there's there's been so many like celebrations that have been put on hold because of COVID. Yeah. You know, there's so many weddings, these pauses in people's lives right now that are preventing them from move forward, you know, and, and preventing us to celebrate their movement forward. I, I really look forward to get to have, you know, the celebrations that we're used to, the types of gallantry that comes along with these celebrations. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, so true. It's it's like things are on pause and we kind of forget that unless you're in it, I guess. So it's, it's so, I'm so looking forward to that as well. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much. This is awesome. Thank you. I'm so grateful. And I love chatting with you. Thank you for everything. <laughs> thank you. So Thanks much fun. Time. Where can <laughs> people you find me. you? Do you want people to find you? <laughs> yeah, sure. I mostly am active on Instagram. So okay. I'm I'm at at Nyla, N-I-L-A, Doe, N-I-L-A-D-O. Is the public, does Venice Magazine have its own website? It does. It's venicemagftl.com. And that's also the same handle for the Venice Instagram too. The same, you know, moniker. Okay, perfect. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode. All of Neela's information is included in the show notes, as well as uh, links to um, all the books she mentioned. You can find our information for the podcast in the show notes as well. 
please remember to rate, review, share, and subscribe. Um, We would really appreciate it. And thank you so much for tuning in. We will see you next week.